Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. You guys were promised full tilt fantasy juiciness on this lovely Friday. Off-season episode number 100, we had to do something a little bit special, so I enlisted myself in the world's earliest mock draft. <laughs> so silly. Oh, these players are going to move around so much, and yet, and yet, it was actually kind of fun to see how this whole thing shook out. I admit I didn't really draft players I was targeting, I mostly just wanted to see what everybody else was doing, so I typically took someone near the top of the Yahoo pre-rank board, which, by the way, uh, moved again, um, or at least it did in the mock draft room. I don't know if it did on the actual Yahoo page, but it certainly did elsewhere. Let's see, are there any names that have moved around? No, I guess the pre-ranks are still about the same, uh, but we definitely saw some stuff happening like in the 80s, 70s and 80s. Some of those players shifted around. Where the hell did they go? Anyway, doesn't really matter. Names are moving. Bodies are flying off the board. Not when you expect them. And today we'll break down the results of Dan's way, way too early mock draft. We're not going to get through the whole thing. I might stretch the the sort of some of the, um, if you want to call them like sleeper types, maybe we'll do those on Monday. But today I thought we'd go through the first couple of rounds and just see where these guys actually went. Because, again, the only data we have so far is is ADP based almost exclusively off of Yahoo's preseason rank board. And that's just not how drafts are going to go with people who care. First and foremost, I want to welcome you all to the pod. This is Fantasy NBA Today, a sports ethos presentation. I'm your host, Dan Bespris. Um, You know, I got to say, it's fun now... Excuse me, to get back into the fantasy side after doing some betting stuff. Like, I just needed a a mental, very brief mental reset on that. And now I got it. And uh, so now we can have a little fun with the fantasy side. Before I give you the first few picks from this mock draft, I want to remind all of you guys that we are recruiting here at Sports Ethos. We're looking for fantasy writers. If you want to break into the industry, this is the time to do it. Now, leading up to the season, this is when we're looking for folks. If you want to cover a team, you can hit me up there. I am at Dan Bespris on Twitter, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. It's just my name. Uh, Yes, you can still just Google search Dan from Hoopball. I know. The new name hasn't really linked itself to me yet. Dan from Hoopball still brings my Twitter feed up as the, like, third or fourth thing. But I would love to hear from you guys. We can talk it through. A number of you have reached out. It sounds like we might have four or five new team podcasts in the works. One or two of you reached out. uh, Well, more than that, actually. One or two of you have kind of slipped past phase one and might be involved on the writing side. We're looking for folks. NBA and NFL, as you guys have heard now, are pretty established here at Hoopball, at least in terms... Hoopball. Sports ethos, at least in terms of like what you'd be doing. Baseball is a little bit more open-ended. You'd be working with Joe, the host of the baseball podcast, and kind of building a division out from there. So anyway, hit me up. We'd love to hear from you. Get you in, in, into the mix. And uh, now we can dive into the, the results of this mock draft. Right from the outset, things didn't go the way that the Yahoo pre-rank suggested they might. Now, yes, obviously, Nikola Jokic went number one. 
But I don't think anybody else in the first round went near their pre-rank. And when I say near, I mean like within two or three slots of it. Because in the first round, you expect guys to go pretty much where they're ranked. But as this one goes, Luca went number two. Everybody always goes Luca, Even if his pre-rank is seven this year, he still went number two. Giannis went number three. These teams are really like... I get it. I know for Luca, you're punting turnovers. Everybody punts turnovers in head-to-head. So if this is, I don't know that this one actually listed what kind of league it was for. It's just a nine category. That's as, that's as far as we got with it. But like, it's just it's not creative strategy anymore. Winning turnovers even 30, 40, 50 percent of the time completely changes the way your team can function, and you can win the other categories while still being okay in that one. So Luka and Giannis, two and three. Didn't even have to be a points league to get him there. Jason Tatum went four. Now remember, he's pre-ranked eight. Luka was seven. Giannis was nine. So the seven, eight, and nine guys, not in that order, went first three off the board after Jokic. Kevin Durant finally went fifth. Trey Young went sixth. Those are guys that are actually pre-ranked two and three, although with Trey, I still don't fully understand that one. Joel Embiid went seven. So that's the two, three, and four guys went five, six, seven. Steph Curry went eight. I get the feeling he's going to be going in that range regularly. Because if you look at the pre-rank board, you know, Luka, Tatum, Giannis, if any of those guys slip in front of Steph, he just moves down a rung every single time. So as much as I am kind of in the market for fading Steph this year, if he falls to eight or nine, you kind of have to do it. Cat went at nine, which I think is totally fine. He's like the only dude who went around where he probably should. But remember, his pre-rank is five, so even that one was a little bit off the mark. Lamelo Ball at ten. There's one. His pre-rank was ten. He went at ten. We got one. Anthony Davis went at eleven in this draft, and Damian Lillard went at twelve. Lillard's fifteen. AD is eighteen in the pre-rank board. Some of the names that got skipped over to get to this on the turn. James Harden didn't get drafted there. LeBron James didn't get drafted there. Ja, which I'm totally fine with. Kawhi Leonard didn't get drafted. Jimmy Butler didn't get drafted. You had to get through all those guys to get to Anthony Davis, which I get because we've talked about it before. He is, again, one of those dudes that if the free throw stroke magically corrects itself, he rockets back up to the middle of the first round. But he's also an intense, intense injury risk. Not surprisingly, the beginning of the second round... We made up for all those guys that didn't go uh, towards the end of the first. James Harden went 13, John Morant 14, LeBron slipped to 15. I think that's actually a steal beyond steal. If you can get Braun near the turn this year, go for it. Kyrie at 16. I I can't believe that people have this much faith in him. I thought Kyrie would go near 20, and then I was going to love it. But at 16, that's a little scary, given how many games we know he tends to miss. Uh, Kawhi Leonard at 17, Jimmy Butler at 18. Those are both fine. Donovan Mitchell at 19, which, well, he's embroiling this trade stuff. I don't, I, I'm, I feel, I'm a little down on Donovan. His pre-rank was 22, so he went a tiny bit early there. If he ends up on a rebuilding Utah team that's going to lose a bunch of games, that makes me nervous. If he goes to New York, he'll, I mean, he'll have plenty of opportunity. They'll give him the ball all the time. Hmm. I don't know. I don't think that I would take the plunge quite at that moment but eh, whatever um paul george was at 20 i've lost track now yeah paul george at 20 that's pretty much where he's pre-ranked 
Devin Booker, 21. That seems fine. DeJounte Murray, 22. I'm actually okay with that. Remember, Murray came in with a really early pre-rank. He's going to take a big hit this year, but you know, mid-20s, early to mid-20s is actually totally fine with him. There's other guys I'd rather have there. Tyrese Halliburton, 23. I think he should probably go a little earlier. Rudy Gobert at 24. That one surprised me because his pre-rank is 30. So someone was hunting Rudy in this mock draft, apparently to pair with Nikola Jokic. And then they went to Monis Sabonis to begin the next round. I don't know what the hell they're doing. That's all all big man. They've, they're dominating field goal percent and rebounds. And uh, I guess they got their assists out of the big man too. Going to have a rough time with three-pointers if they don't take care of some of that pretty soon. Could be punting threes. Could be punting a lot of stuff, actually. But if you get Nikola Jokic as your first pick and you punt, that's a little bit dumb. Because he's so damn good at everything. Ah, well. In any event, um, Demontis Sabonis at 26, DeMar DeRozan at 20... Sorry, 25. DeRozan at 26. Pascal Siakam at 27. Anthony Edwards, 28. Bradley Beal, 29. That one I thought was interesting because he's a guy who uh, is pre-ranked way in front of that. He's pre-ranked at 20. Does feel like maybe a pretty reasonable indicator of someone that could be falling in drafts. And a couple of other early pre-ranks that we haven't heard their names called yet. Uh, Shea Gilgis-Alexander on the likely tanking Thunder. And Bam Adebayo, who took a big step back per game last year and by totals. Haven't had their names called yet, although they're coming here very soon. Uh, Zach Levine, interestingly, went at 30. Darius Garland at 31. That's really early for Zach Levine, by the way. His pre-rank is 39. And then if anybody looked at what he did last year, there really isn't a whole lot of room for him to go up on a team that has DeMar DeRozan and Vooch. I don't know where they think that extra stuff is coming from. A couple of surprises that came around that. Darius Garland going at 31 is not a surprise. Freddie Van Vliet falling to 32 was a huge surprise to me. I thought that his pre-rank of 26 was going to be one of those ones that inches forward a little bit, but maybe it's not. Maybe he really is going to go, uh, you know, early to mid-third. Next, Chris Paul in that zone. Bam Adebayo finally off the board uh, at 33. Shea Gilgis-Alexander at 34. Zion at 35. Hmm... Yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, punt stuff. And then Chris Paul finally at 36, which, you know, I, considering how much we talked last year about how being on the turn was absolute disaster zone, I'm not sure the turn's going to be all that bad this season. This year, uh, in this particular mock draft, if you were near 11 or 12 in that first round, you had your choice to pick two from AD, Dame, Harden, Braun, Kyrie, Kawhi. I don't know why I pronounced it all weird like that. I don't think I'd go Butler anywhere near that high. but And then, towards the end of the third round, you're probably going to get options like Chris Paul, and then the Time Lord went at 37 in this draft. Jalen Brown went 38. Evan Mobley went 39. Nikola Vucevic went at 40. That's another guy you'll likely have an opportunity to get towards the end of the third, beginning of the fourth. That's a huge steal. DeAndre Ayton at 41, Cade 42, C.J. McCollum 43, Chris Middleton 44, Drew Holiday 45. That's a big value, and he's probably going to be going back in that territory because his pre-rank is 43. I still count these guys. By the way, this is like the end of the first old man batch. Remember how I said there weren't really any old men falling between 40 and 75? Well, it's really more like 45, 
and 75, which I know is splitting hairs a tiny bit, but you get Middleton and Drew Holiday towards the back end of that first crop, which, look, you've got a couple of early fa- early old man squad values in the likes of, we talked about him in the second round. I thought Dame would go a little bit later. He went early in this one, but Kawhi is going to be a little bit of a roto old man favorite. I guess LeBron somehow. Uh, Halliburton, who's not an old player by any stretch of the imagination, but kind of has old man fantasy game, so he's not going as early as he should. You've got that little group in round two that's falling a little farther than they should, but then really the, the, the early, if you want to call them the early old men, are between 30 and 45. Because apparently Freddie Van Fleet is going that late now. So Van Vliet... Chris Paul, Robert Williams. I know he's not old, but he got old man knees, so he qualifies. Vooch is in there. Middleton, Drew Holiday, Kristaps Porzingis. Those guys are all in that 30 to 45 range. And Porzingis is a tough one because, again, you need to have a, a games cap for that to make any sense at all. But then you suddenly get past those guys. Kristaps, by the way, is the next name on our list here. So he's actually 46 in this particular draft. But then you get past it. Jared Allen, young guy. I mean, I like him at 47. I don't know why Russ went here. And then Ben Simmons, this dude's out of his mind. This is the same guy who had Nikola Jokic. What a waste of the first overall pick. Scotty Barnes went behind Simmons, Darren Fox, Terry Rozier. Uh, That one I thought was interesting, actually, because he's pre-ranked in the 60s. Rozier pre-ranked 63. And now I've lost track of the numbers on this thing. But that was like the fourth pick of the fifth round. So I think it's 52. So he went early. JJJ is hurt. Brandon Ingram in there. Christian Wood. OGN Anobi is an interesting name that's going in this late 50s, early 60s range. Maybe a post-type thing going on. Julius Randle. Don't like his old man game. Valanchunas I usually do, but with Zion back, I think he takes a hit. Josh Giddy, Young. Miles Turner went at 60. Uh, I don't think you can draft him until you know where he's playing this year. But this is that zone I'm talking about. And it continues. Desmond Bain... Younger guy. Although that might be, a, you know, being at 61 is not a terrible pick. Lonzo Ball injured. For Tyler Hero, young. Michael Porter Jr. coming off injury. Mikael Bridges? Um, that one's an interesting one. He's pre-ranked in the 70s. So uh, this is a tiny bit early for him. But at the same time, like the simple fact that he's pre-ranked in the 70s I thought was super weird. He's kind of the start typically, of the next group of old men, although he went a little bit earlier than his pre-rank here, so we'll have to see if that ends up being a, a, a theme. If it does, then we'll take him out of that group, and then maybe you'll finally have an old man between 45 and, and 70, or whatever the, the window is we're talking about in the middle there. Um, as it stands right here, 65, he didn't quite make it to that 70 threshold. John Collins went 66, meh. Wiggins, 67? I don't understand that. Tobias Harris is not my favorite anymore. You can take him off the Dan Vespers favorites list. He's in a a much worse spot with James Harden around. Clint Capella uh, at 69, which, again, typically he'll go, I think, a little bit later than that. I think Capella's actually pre-ranked in the 80s. No, 76, so he normally goes a little bit later than that. He just got picked up a couple picks early in this one. But Bridges, Capella, those guys are the first names in that next tier of old men. 
Draymond Green went at 70. I'm a little worried about him off the championship. Malcolm Brogdon at 71. No, thank you. Klay Thompson, 72. I'd like for him to go a little later. And I'm pretty sure his pre-rank is in the 90s. Yeah, he's pre-ranked 90 on the nose. So he went really early in this one. Keep an eye on Clay. See if he starts to go a little earlier. Because he would be in that old man bunch as well. Uh, round seven. By the way, we're going to get through everything here on today's show. Screw Monday. I'm, I'm speed demoning through this thing. Originally, we were going to talk to uh, Steve Alexander, Dr. A, from, uh, I want to call it Roto World, but it's NBC Sports Edge. Keep getting reminded of that. And uh, then my little guy spiked a very small fever, so we had to push it back. Sorry, Doc. Sorry, all of you guys, because it would have been a lot of fun to talk to Doc about, specifically, we were going to talk to Patrick Beverly trade, which I want to get to on today's show. But if we run out of time, we can do that on Monday, because, screw it, we're doing our first mock. This is fun. All right, where the hell was I? <laughs> Round seven. D'Angelo Russell, yeah, that's fine. Paolo Banquero. Pissed about. I got told the wrong way to pronounce that thing, and I've been doing it for two months. Idiot, Vespers. He went at 74, and uh, we know his pre-rank is much later than that, but not at all surprisingly, he's one of those guys whose ADP was out in front of his pre-rank, so we already knew. We already knew that he's going to be going earlier. See? That was predictable. This is, that's part of the fun here. We already knew that was going to happen. Jordan Poole at 75. I like him there. Yusuf Nurkic, 76. I like him there. Jakob Pertl, 77. I like him there. <laughs> Jeremy Grant, 78. I'm a little bit worried about Jeremy as he falls back into a less prominent role. But, eh. I don't know. Well, I'd rather get him in the mid to late 80s. Tyrese Maxey at 79. Jamal Murray at 80. Murray's an interesting one for your Roto Games cap type. If he's really going around 80, that's a that's a must draft. Provided he is healthy to start the year, and I think he will be. Marcus Smart at 81. Um, You know, you guys might think he's going to be on my list, but at 81, I don't know that he's he actually has that much value on that team. There's just not a whole lot of upside for him beyond it. RJ Barrett, 82. No thanks. Ooh, somebody took Miles Bridges. Might have been an auto draft. And then Al Horford at 84. He started later than that. That was one of the early... Remember the Yahoo put out their first ranks? Big Al was one of the big jumpers. He was in the 90s. He's now at 82 on their preseason rank board, which, unfortunately, it's one of those things where you might be able to tempt me with it because you guys all know how much I love Al Horford, but I was hoping I could get him in the 90s. I guess if I got to get him in the 80s, I can... I just think some of these other guys could end up beating him. Maybe not. Maybe not the guy behind him here. Maybe this is exactly where he should be going. Round eight, pick 85. Mitchell Robinson, yeah, that's fine. Kyle Lowry uh, at 86, perfectly reasonable spot to take him. He won't be healthy all year, but when he is, he'll be in the, between 60 and 80. Sadiq Bey, I'd rather not take the chance there. Maybe he does get a little bit better. Ah... Uh, Nah. Jalen Brunson. That one's kind of interesting. 88, I think, is where we're at there. I'm good with that one. Brooke Lopez at 89. Good there. Colin Sexton still... I don't, no, I don't expect him to start the year healthy, so that makes me a little nervous. Keegan Murray. Um, nah, I'm not going to take that upside shot there. Not when there's still some of these names on the board. Gordon Hayward, who I would prefer, especially with Charlotte now. They've got that hole on the wing. Buddy Heald. Eh. Now he gets moved to the Lakers. He ain't getting that many shots. He'll get some. 
Kuzma, log jam time. Wendell Carter Jr., I actually kind of like him there towards the end of the eighth round. Keldon Johnson fell a lot farther than expected. I forget where his... What's Keldon's preseason rank? I thought he was sooner. No? No, maybe not. Maybe he is beyond 100. It's hard to keep these lists straight at the same time. Well, wherever the hell Keldon ended up, um, he's, a, he's a really good value at this spot at 96. John Wall at 97. No thanks. Someone auto-drafted Chad Holmgren, who's out for the year. And, you know, we'll talk more about that on Monday's show. Larry Markkinen, that's fine. Take a shot. You know, he played a bunch for Cleveland last year. There isn't a whole lot of change happening there. Bogdan Bogdanovich at pick 100. I actually like that one, although he is going to get squeezed a bit by DeJounte Murray. I still think there are better things you can do here. Norman Powell at 101 is not one of them. Mobamba at 102. Yeah, I'm good with that. Mike Conley at 103. We don't know where he's going to end up, so that's a hard one to, to call right now. If he really is still in Utah with Donovan Mitchell then they have just enough talent to compete but not be very good, then I like him here. He gets moved to some sort of peripheral role. You know, there's a shutdown risk involved. Jalen Green in the early 100s, I'm fine with that. Rob Covington, uh, not exactly an upside play here. You guys know I love Rob Covington. Year over year, he always beats his mark. I just, you know, round nine, take a shot. Alperen Sengun, next off the board. Great, take a shot. Rashawn Holmes, not the shot I would take. Gary Trent Jr., falling in drafts right now. There's an old man value for you. Take a shot. Not that old. Devin Vassell to start round 10. Great, take the shot. Karis LeVert, I think we know enough to know that shot's not going to work. Anthony Simons, great, take the shot. Brandon Clark, take the shot. P.J. Washington, I like it. A lot of interesting stuff here in this 9-10 chunk. Isaiah Stewart, meh. Mavitsa Zubats, meh. Kevin Porter Jr., mm, I don't hate him as much this year. He showed some stuff at the end of last season, but can the free throw percent improve? Harrison Barnes, this is what you do in round 10 if you took a whole bunch of injured guys in like round 6, 7, and 8. You go Harrison Barnes. Spencer Dinwiddie, no. We know enough about his fantasy game. Reggie Jackson, no. Bobby Portis, maybe. I mean, what are we, ta- what are we aiming for with Portis? Top 100? Here's the problem with this part of a draft, of any draft. Everyone's always like, oh, well, round 11 is where I start taking my shots. You kind of have to do it sooner because by the time round 11 comes around, it's, it's kind of clunky. It's the dregs at that point. So don't take someone in round 10 that you think has, like, top 100 plodding upside. That's just not fun. Round 11, Alexei Pokashevsky came off the board first. I, I just still don't think he's going to be good enough this year. Then Derek White, meh. Kemba now. Slow-mo's interesting with this Torian Prince kind of goofball arrest stuff floating around. You can look it up. Sounds like he got arrested because he had freaking THC oil in his car in Texas or something beyond dumb. That's just not a threat. So hopefully that thing blows over. But um, anyway, at this exact moment, slow-mo might have some value in Minnesota. Torian Prince gets cleared of that stuff. I don't know how the legal proceedings are going to work, but it doesn't sound particularly serious. Anyway, Jordan Clarkson in Utah. That's interesting if everybody else gets traded and he doesn't. Jalen Suggs, bleh. Boyan Bogdanovich, bleh. Jonathan Isaac. That's, this is an interesting one because he might just appear fully healthy, ready to go. This might be one of those ones where you can get him in the 11th round right now, and after he plays in one preseason game, you might have to get him in like the 7th. 
And I know I always talk about not drafting early, but Jonathan Isaac might be the reason to draft early. You take him in like the second to last round and then just pray that he's playing to start the year. And if he isn't, you can drop him because someone's going to surface. Then you got Dylan Brooks, who's not a terrible 11th round pick. At least you know he's going to play minutes. Jay Sean Tate, Will Barton, Evan Fournier. I mean, this is this is not interesting at all. Aaron Gordon, Chris Boucher, Jaden Ivey. That's at least interesting, I guess. Anyako Kongwu. I don't think he's playing huge minutes. Capella's much better. TJ McConnell's interesting. I haven't talked much about him in Indiana. Because Tyrese Halliburton is clearly the starting point guard. But I think you'll see those guys play together for stretches. Especially... If Indy trades Heald and Turner and buys out Westbrook, who would likely come back in such a deal, and then all of a sudden, you'd probably need McConnell to run offense anytime Halliburton sits, and he'll sit. He's going to sit for stretches. He'll sit for games at some point. Patrick Williams in the middle of the 12th round. I like that as a grab. You're just hoping for something. Dante DiVincenzo, meh. Damian Jones, Cole Anthony, Markel Fultz. That one's a fun one towards the end of the 12th. If that dude wins the point, char- point guard or... Any kind of job in Orlando outright, he could be really interesting this year. Dorian Finney-Smith, yeah, I mean, he'll beat this. He'll beat this ADP or this actual draft position, also ADP. But is there any fun there? I know that we joke, DFS, hashtag road to top 90, but that's not what you're hunting for on draft day. James Wiseman went 144. He won't play enough. Andre Drummond, no. DeAnthony Melton, sure, why the hell not? Thad Young, Devontae Graham, Malik Beasley, Lou Dort, DeAndre Hunter. Monte Morris is an interesting 13th round pick. Franz Wagner, also kind of interesting. Kevin Love, Josh Hart, I kind of like that one towards the end. And then Jose Alvarado. And that is 156 picks of mock draft goodness. I'll tell you. And again, we'll get into the Holmgren stuff. We'll get into the Pat Beverly stuff on Monday because it really is not hugely fantasy relevant. You're probably not drafting Patrick Beverly even if he will have kind of that same role he always has in L.A. and might have stretches where he goes, you know, top 75 for a few weeks. He's not a guy you have to draft. And I'll, I'll tell you, the reason you don't have to is because even if you drafted him, first of all, if you're in a games cap league, you're not going to start him on that first game of the year until you see how he looks. And then if you're in head-to-head, at the end of a draft, you take a shot. Plus, Beverly's not healthy enough to be a head-to-head grab anyway. Those last rounds are, I mean, that's where you just, you try to figure out what guys have slipped down the Yahoo board for reasons we don't know. And like Monte Morris, he'll be interesting. There's some upside there. He might not hit it. Probably won't hit it, frankly. But he doesn't belong down there with Devontae Graham, who's not going to get to do much of anything in New Orleans this year. He doesn't belong down there with Thad Young. He just doesn't. So that's what you're looking for at the end of the draft. Remember, we're talking about guys who have a bunch of extra playing time or opportunity, and we don't, and there's a question mark. The rounds that I thought were particularly interesting in this draft, first of all, I thought the first and second round were actually really interesting because of the shuffling. It, it began and it ended in different spots. Like, you still generally had the same group of guys go from 2 through 10. It just went in a very different order than we expected. And then you had the same group of guys go 11 through roughly 20. But again, the front end of that, at least, went in a very different order than the preseason rank would have suggested. Round 3, round 4, 
round five. Those ended up being actually perhaps the most predictable of the rounds in this one because that was all of those mostly younger dudes, although you get towards the back of round four, then you get into that, sorry, the front end of that group. You have some older guys that have fallen, the the back, middle and back end of that group, you get into the young guys. That actually ended up going pretty much the way we expected. And then you get into six, seven, and eight, and that's where you want to start grabbing your your falling old dudes. The six, seven, eight round guys are the ones where you're like, okay, who can I find in here that has top 50 per game potential? And with a little bit of health, maybe you go even beyond that, but you don't even need that. So Mikhail Bridges was one that jumped out in that group. Clint Capella is someone that popped up in that group. Clay Thompson, Jordan Poole, Yusuf Nurkic, Jakob Pertl, Jamal Murray, Al Horford, I know. Kyle Lowry, if only, well, only towards the back end of it. Jalen Brunson. Gordon Hayward, who usually floats in that 50 to 60 range, and he's going about 30 to 40 slots back of that. I know he's always hurt. So that's the beauty of the Roto Games Cap side of this as well. If you're in a head-to-head league, you don't take a shot on a Gordon Hayward or a Jamal Murray because you can't have them sitting out unexpected 15 to 20 ball games. You have to draft guys that you think at least have a shot of getting to like 74 games on the year. It's so critical in head-to-head, and everybody's like, oh, well, it matters when they miss them. Yes, that's absolutely true, but it's also kind of impossible to know unless you're talking about a team that's likely to tank. There actually aren't that many of those, at least among the players that I was just listing. I don't think there were any in that group on tanking teams. So sure, tanking teams, you can get a feel... But teams now will kind of pre-tank a little bit. Like, Shea sat out a bunch of games earlier last year, played for a couple weeks in the fantasy playoffs, and then sat again. It's hard to know. Portland sat everybody for the last two months of the year last season. It's not, it's not a, an exact science. And so that's where things, I think, diverge a little bit. And we've talked about that before. And that'll, that'll be the point that I want to leave you guys on, which is when you get into that four, five, six, seven, eight round range. I think the top three rounds head-to-head in Roto for me are are relatively similar. I draft the guy that I'm targeting that I think is going to be probably a totals winner. You can't have a first, second, or third round pick that's too injury prone. You know, like Kawhi is tough on the head-to-head side. In Roto, it's a little bit easier to make that call. But there aren't that many guys that that you know exactly how many games they're going to miss. For sure, and then there's a wiggle room beyond that mark in that upper crust. Typically, those are guys where you're like, I hope this guy plays in most of them. But then you get into the fourth, the fifth, the sixth, seven, eight. That's when you start in head-to-head, leaning a little bit more into health, and in Roto, leaning a little bit more into upside. I believe that most people in this mock draft were probably looking at it more from a head-to-head standpoint, which is why Jamal Murray was lower than expected. Which is why, I mean, you look at any of these names of guys that dropped a little farther that maybe were coming off of injury or a tiny bit injury prone. Those guys didn't, people didn't like it. Kristaps Porzingis falling to the end of the fourth round again. Even though, obviously, per game, he's a top 20. So, again, know your settings. Have some fun. Hope you guys enjoyed our first mock draft. This was a speed round version of it. On Monday, we'll take a look at the Chet Holmgren news it's unfortunate, of course. We'll look at the Pat Beverly trade, 
what it means for the Lakers, if it means anything on the fantasy side, any other news that breaks over the weekend. And we'll start to we'll continue to f- sort of formulate how we're working on our lists and stuff. But we're in it now, folks. We'll do some more mocks also. Why the hell not? Enjoy your weekend off-season episode number 100. Yep. We did it. Another 100. <laughs> now we just need to get to the damn season already. I'm Dan Baspers for Fantasy NBA Today. Sports Ethos presentation. Talk to you guys on Monday. So long. Ooh.